We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. All right, babe, we're back. We are back. It feels like it's been a while, although we release an episode every week. I don't know. We've just done a lot this last week. Yeah. And sometimes we do two in a week. Yeah. And I think it feels like it's been a while because we have done a lot in between the last the last couple, couple of recordings. Episodes. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of catch you guys up, our sweet and faithful listeners. Um, we actually had my mom's funeral last week. So that's a lot. <laughs> I, I feel emotional about it still, but yeah. um, we did that episode a number of weeks ago with my parents and oh, so sweet. that was in June. We released an episode where um, we interviewed my parents and we let you guys in a little bit to, oh, Jay's cracking open a LaCroix. You have to. Um, we did an episode where we interviewed my parents and we let you guys in a little bit into her journey battling cancer and um yeah she passed away she did so we had her funeral last week and we were in south carolina again yeah a lot's happened since the last time we recorded mm-hmm. an episode so anyways here we are <laughs> <laughs> here we are back in the saddle uh trying to figure out how to move on in a world that feels yeah really unfamiliar without her. So anyways. No, it's true. I think that it's, I mean, we're in uncharted territory, you know? Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah, it is. But on the bright side, we have this amazing podcast, Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valentins, (laughs) that we absolutely love working on together. So that is actually a bright spot in our season. We, We love doing this. So um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is episode 41. We are almost a year into this project. Come on, man. Which is really fun. Um, from time to time, we like gathering up questions that come to us in email or through our DMs in social media. And we'll kind of answer some of your questions for you listeners. And so we're going to do that today. We've got four questions we're going to move through. And, um, should I crack in babe? Should we just yeah, read just, off the first one? Just dive in. Okay. Okay. So, um, we, I had a sweet woman write in and say that she is divorced. She's been divorced for a number of years now. She has kids. Um, she's thinking about moving back into the dating scene and there is a guy at church that she's interested in. Um, they've said hi a few times, but sometimes they don't talk and, She's wondering if she should send a friend request. I feel, okay, I feel like there's like a dating, um, Mm. what is it, like Laura something? Anyways, I feel like I'm literally on a radio talk show right now, and and the listeners are writing in with their, anyways, what should I do questions? This is fantastic. So, okay, Um, the question is, should she send a friend request on Instagram, or should she just let the friendship happen more naturally. I think it sounded like she thought that sending a DM on or a friend request is a little bit forward. Should she be that forward or should she just let the friendship happen naturally? She's recognizing that she gets really nervous when they're in person. And when she, when she's with her kids, she just kind of ignores them all together and doesn't say hi. So, yeah, 
common scenario in the land of dating. Like, yeah. what should I do? How much is too much? Is it okay for the woman to actually initiate more of a connection? What do you think, babe? Yeah, and we can talk about this together. But I definitely think she needs to be more forward because the relation, relationships don't often happen naturally on this right. level. No, that's true. They happen intentionally. And so if she doesn't learn how to confront her fear and mm -hmm. engage when they are in person, that to me is the best opportunity that she has. Totally. Is you see, that, that in-person connection, when, when you can be in person with somebody, man, you have such a good moment to create this like connection and it doesn't have to be this like euphoric connection, but just right. a connection. So I would say rather than just send a friend request, which is fine, she can send that. Um, starting the conversation at least once a week while they're at church together, like, hey, how are you doing? How was your yeah. week? And if she just starts a small conversation, then and doesn't have the pressure to do like this big thing, then she can build a relationship with him. Yes, pretty intentionally, but also at like a healthy pace. I agree. And if she would just start in with like, Hey, how are you? I'm whatever. If, if he doesn't know their name. Yep. Um, how are you, know, tell me how long you've been coming here. Something, it doesn't even have to be like this cool conversation. How long you been coming here? Oh, I've been coming here for X amount of years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Then the next week she can ask him, how was your week? Yeah. And it's not like she has to lead the dance the entire time. But he probably doesn't even know that she exists. Totally. And if he doesn't know that she exists, then she's not an option. Yeah. Which means that she'll wait forever for this relationship to blossom organically because it won't. I agree. I think that's a big deal. I also think that um, social media has created a bit of an interesting layer inside of our relational world where... It's kind of like social media is a part of everybody's life to such a degree that I think sometimes there can be an overemphasis on what your quote digital life looks like and what your digital mm -hmm. relationships look like. And I think that for the purposes of getting to know someone and dating, unless you're actually doing online dating, which is a totally different, I mean, that's like an actual format for meeting people, connecting with them and discovering whether you're interested in one another. Um, I just think using social media to facilitate relationships is just not the best place to start because although it's a part of all of our lives, it doesn't actually facilitate a whole lot of meaningful connection initially it just creates sometimes I think more questions than answers mm -hmm. because you're trying to read between the lines, like all the time, it's going to be better to have those in-person conversations. And I, I like what you said, as far as if she just begins by expressing interest in just having a connection, not a romantic connection, mm -hmm. just any sort of connection. I think it's pretty common that I've heard it said, I've heard men say that they often really appreciate when a woman expresses an interest to connect or just communicate because they don't want to be too much either. Guys don't want to, like if we put all the pressure on the guy to be the initiator or to, you know, do that work, they don't want to be too much. And so sometimes I think they're looking for a little signal, like, is there any interest here or mm -hmm. not? 
And so if this woman were to express some interest in person by striking up a really normal human conversation (laughs) face to face, then it gives him the opportunity to kind of go, Ooh, alert. This is someone that I could be interested in, or this is someone I'd want to get to know more, or she's interesting. I'll ask more questions or I'm going to find her next week at church or whatever it is. So I think too, with when someone has kids, it can be a confusing scenario at first, because if I'm a single guy, like when I was single divorced with kids, and I would see an attractive woman, I'm checking for a couple things. Yeah. I'm checking to see if she has a ring on. Yeah. I'm checking to see if she has kids, right? Because if she has kids, oh, she's probably married. That's what you assume. And it's hard to know when you're, when I was 27, like it was so different than when I was 16. Cause mm-hmm. you see a 16 year old girl, she's just, she's, she's fair game. Like you, I could go pursue her and she may have 16. When I was 16. <laughs> okay, good. No, when I was 16 and she was 16. Yes, yes. I'm not wondering, is this person taken? Right, no. But when I'm 27. Totally. And now single again when I was divorced, I'm having to sift through who's taken, who's not, what's the status yeah. of this person. Yeah. And so if she has kids with her, most guys won't approach her no. simply because they think she's taken. Sure. Or can I chime in too? Maybe he knows she's not taken, but simply having children is an incredible deterrent for anyone to pursue relationship unless, and here's the kicker, unless the parent makes it obvious that that is not a complication. So let me just, let me rephrase. If you're in the dating scene and you have kids, then It's your job to work yourself to a spot, like work on your own internal world until you get to a spot where you're confident in your story, you're confident in your family, Mm -hmm. you're confident that you could be in a dating relationship and it would be beneficial for your kids and for the other person Mm -hmm. and for yourself. And so if you have kids, it's your job to kind of, you know, paint the picture like this this is awesome. This is going to be awesome for somebody. Mm-hmm. This is not a complication. This is this is my life and this is my story, but it's beautiful and I'm going to be powerful in it and mm-hmm. I'm we're happening to life and and my kids are going to be a blessing to whoever it is that I'm in a relationship with. So, I would just say the person without kids is looking for the person with kids to be really confident in their situation. Yeah, and if you're not already, that's okay. I think it's just a growing point. And so She really needs to build confidence and that's where she could sit down with a friend, a good friend and build just a small game plan of, you know, what do I need to tell myself when I get really nervous and what's, what's the game plan going into just building a relationship with guys and making, you know, learning how to talk to them in person, not overthinking it, but also just having a game plan for when to do that, because that's what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to build a connection in person. Yep. And we know because of social media that social anxiety has gone up yep. because people lose the skill of communicating in person. Yep. So absolutely. Great question. Yeah. Okay. Second question is about miscarriage. So we've done uh, at least one episode where we talk about our journey of infertility and we had somebody write in saying that him and his wife have been walking through an infertility uh, journey. I think they've walked through miscarriage themselves. And the question is around how do you balance on the spiritual side of things, like walking through this 
this journey with God through infertility and loss. Um, how do you balance this command to be fruitful and multiply while also walking through miscarriage? Like how do you actually handle your heart mm. in the midst of this loss and pain, knowing that like we're designed to have families, we're designed to have kids, even if it's not panning out. What, yeah. what do we do? What would you say, babe? What, what are some of the things that we did intentionally with our hearts and in our walks with God when we were walking through that really painful season? Yeah. I, um, I really think that being able to get answers from God mm-hmm. around, well, answers, but also being able to process with God the pain that you're in yeah. is massive because none of us can make ourselves like you can't make yourself get pregnant. You can do all the right things totally. and you can try all the things, but you can't like to me, that's God's job. Mm. And my job is just to be diligent and to steward what he's given me yeah. in my life. And I think that being able to go to God and process because ultimately what happens when we process with God is it opens up that conversation where now he can talk back to me. Mm -hmm. He can give me his peace for my anxiety. He can give me comfort for my pain. And I really do. I mean, when we were in the middle of it, you had so many hard questions Yes, that you were really, really, really struggling with. And I remember, I can't say a day. I remember like a week when you had gotten a really cool, um, hope from God. Mm. You'd gotten a promise from God. And to me, like that was some of the things that we began to hold on to was just those promises that God was giving you specifically. Yeah. Cause I dealt with it differently. I didn't have this like hopeless, maybe we won't ever have kids. It was different for me, mm-hmm. but I think for you getting those small promises from God was really big. I don't know if you want to talk to that or not. Yeah. It's wild how, um, like I would need to go back and read my journals. You know what I mean? Because it's been enough years now, you know, we're, we're two babies later. Um, and quite a lot in between it's, it's wild thinking about that time. A couple things stick out to me that I do remember. One was, you know, we tried a long time before our miscarriage and I would say, the time that we tried before our miscarriage was almost more painful and challenging Mm -hmm. than after our miscarriage because something happened to me in my heart during our miscarriage. And that was, okay, we did get pregnant and this baby, we don't understand why we'll never know why until we're in heaven, but this baby didn't make it all the way. But something about that, I had more hope for having a baby after our miscarriage than I did before. Probably because I knew, okay, I can get pregnant. Hello. Like that happened. Mm -hmm. But also I just felt this thing in my spirit that was like, this is not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a righteous anger about it. I was like, this is not how that story ends. We will have a baby because this is not the end of the story. The story just doesn't end with a baby dying inside of me. And that's the end. Like that is not okay. And I just had this thing inside me where that I was like, I don't know how we're going to have a baby or when we're going to have a baby, but I was just convinced that we Mm -hmm. would. And so I think, um, 
that was huge. Just recognizing like this fiery hope kind of rose up inside of me and I just went, oh, you know, I, this is not the end of the story. That's yeah. not how this one ends. Um, that was huge for me. The other thing was, you know, the other thing is I think just processing a lot with God, the reality that our hope has to be in him and not in the fulfillment of our promise. Mm. And I think that that is a, a spiritual principle, a biblical principle that in our humanity could take quite a while to like mine out to the bottom of that. And what are the implications of that truth? And how does that play out in my life? In my life, is my hope in Jesus or is my hope in the promise being fulfilled? And I think that is the trick is that we actually, there are no guarantees. Like, yes, he did command us to be fruitful and multiply. And we know that as we're created in his image, even physiologically, our bodies, women's bodies are designed to conceive, carry and deliver life into the earth. Like obviously this is the design, but we're really not in control of how that all happens. And we might have a hundred promises on a list that we feel like are absolutely from God. And yet the timing of them and how they are fulfilled and what does that process look like? We have to hold really loosely and know that there's really, we're just not in control. There's a lot about our humanity that is actually affected by the fact that we are not living in heaven yet. And things yeah. aren't perfect and there's tragedy a, does happen. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we have promises for that we're hoping for beyond just, you know, babies that we're wrestling with. And, yeah. and I think that that's the Christian walk, right? Yeah. Is it's, it's very much a wrestle yeah. with God to give our anxiety to him and get his peace and comfort. Yeah. And our, my job here's at the end of the day, my job's obedience. Yeah. My job is faithfulness and obedience. Yeah. His job is to make it happen. Yeah. And that's where I can rest. Did I do my job today? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Mm -hmm. Um, this question came in from a married woman who says that, her libido is higher than her husband's and this has caused some issues for them. They did have sex before marriage and she'd said she's confused because she discovered or she's felt like um, their sex life before marriage was actually better than it has been in marriage. She also said her husband has had a struggle with pornography in the past and she's wondered how much that's played into their sex life in marriage. But, but definitely wondering, you know, what, what do I do with the fact that I often initiate sex? He often says, no, that makes me feel rejected. It doesn't feel like we're thriving in our sex life and marriage and it's confusing. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is sex before marriage, like can often be better for couples and hear me all the way out yep. than sex after marriage because what's driving those two people together uh, is so different than after marriage. Right. Before marriage, you have all of this anxiety, all of the, it's not necessarily just, oh, I'm, I'm just so horny, I wanna have sex with you. Like before marriage, a lot of what drives the sexual connection is I want to, I want to feel close to you because I don't want to lose you. I want to be, I want to get your commitment to me. It's a lot of it is fear-based. Mm -hmm. 
And if you have sex with me, then that means that you're committed to me, you know, like it, I would argue a lot of these things happen on a very subconscious level. I don't think yeah, yeah. people think these things, but if you really boil it down, yes. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's, yeah, people would, would think, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just really horny or whatever turned on, but that's coming. A lot of that is coming from my trying to satisfy my insecurities. Mm-hmm. And so, and the other thing that you have to remember is a large part of what drives our, our sex drive is novelty, mm-hmm. is this new experience. So I'm having this new experience that I've never had before with somebody. And the more times you have sex with somebody, the less novel it is. Yeah. And so what makes it awesome in marriage is this deep connection that we've built, right? This yeah. deep emotional connection. What makes it awesome before marriage is it's novel, like this, it's, it's brand new and it's exciting and I've never explored this before. And on top of that, I am lowering my anxiety and I'm feeling connected in a way that I've never felt connected before. Yeah. And so like we would say that our like kissing was so much funner kissing before marriage than <laughs> it was sure. after marriage. Yeah. And again, it's that it's novelty. Yeah. And I'm, I know I'm taking a little bit to explain it, but I think it's important. So after you get married, which sex before marriage is also really damaging. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a ton of time to talk about that because I'm on kind of a time moment today. But it's super damaging to the trust building and connection building in relationship. Yep. Because you start violating your conscience over and over and over again. And then ultimately what happens is you don't trust one another yeah. very much. Yeah. And so after marriage... Uh, it's really common for one or the other partner to have a higher or lower libido. And mm-hmm. so it's way more common for a man to have the higher libido. Yeah. But almost always, if the guy has a low one, the woman has a high one. I don't, I don't know yeah. what that is. I'm, yeah. Can I chime in? You so can. A I'm couple. not done yet, but go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you finish. So to me, one of the, the, one of the challenges is that inside of your marriage, what used to get you guys going before you were married doesn't work after you get married because a lot of it is driven not on novelty now that you're married, but it's driven through connection. And so like, babe, you are way more ready to go before marriage. Like I was having to like slow you down after marriage. I'm having to like Okay, I've got yeah. to connect with her emotionally. I have to make sure that she's in a good spot. I got to make sure that the kitchen's clean and the <laughs> and set time aside. And then it becomes this like really cool, passionate place to be. But before we were married, we didn't have to have all that prep. No. It's different. Yeah. And so for her, I would say that they need to start having conversations around healthy conversations around their sex life and, and what works for him well and what really moves the needle for him. She's got to learn that and he's got to communicate that so they can build a healthy sex life together. Yeah. I would also say that yes, his pornography problem is a thousand percent contributing to his low drive inside of marriage. 
And I, it sounded like from the question that it was relatively recent that he had mm -hmm. started walking out of an addiction to pornography. And I would just say, you know, that's a road. That is a road to travel. That is a journey. And it a thousand percent affects his drive for you inside of marriage. And that can be really sad and painful. It's also really hopeful because there's a way out and there is a lot of ground to gain. But I wouldn't start, I wouldn't assess you know, I wouldn't expect that that problem would be solved right away. That is going to be a process. Yeah. Because part of why it, again is when, when you're addicted to something like pornography, for instance, every time I watch porn, I'm, I, my brain is getting, is getting number and number and number. So it takes a higher and higher and higher hit. Mm -hmm. Um, so instead of just clicking one time, or actually when I was a kid, it was looking at a magazine, we get you going, mm -hmm. but a magazine's static. It doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, there's no moving pictures. And then when you switch to watching videos, well, going back to a magazine doesn't really work anymore right? because it's not novel. Yeah. It, it, everything's like, meh, that's kind of yeah. old. And so what happens in, with a sex addict is their brain is is so used to these incredibly high hits yeah. of dopamine that sleeping with a actually sleeping with a human being that they're around all the time is not exciting yeah. anymore. I'll say too, and this will be the last. So things. his brain has to heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what For I'm saying. Sure. Like abstinence from porn will eventually heal his brain. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, um, worth camping on this for a moment longer and then maybe we'll just add the fourth question to the next round. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but you know, one thing that I feel like we should say is, you know, marriage, sex in marriage is designed by God to happen inside of covenant. And the goal of sex in marriage is bonding. Like bond, there are chemical, physical bonding agents that happen when you have sex with someone. When you're, when you have sex before marriage, it still works that way. It's a bonding, it's a bonding agent, but you're bonding to fill a need outside of marriage. That's different than the need that you have inside of marriage. So like Jason mentioned before marriage, the bond is to fulfill this probably subconscious need for commitment and attachment and mm -hmm. connection inside of a covenant marriage. You have signed the commitment. You have made the covenant with one another. And so you don't you, subconsciously, again, you don't, you don't, um, sex is not the only thing that you get inside of marriage that equals commitment and covenant inside of marriage though, it's supposed to sex is supposed to come from a place of intimacy and, um, connection. It is meant to be an exploration of one another. It is still meant to be a bonding agent, but it's not sex in marriage is not for the purpose of, it's not the same as somebody who's watching pornography. Somebody that's watching pornography is engaging in that behavior to get the dopamine hit. Inside of marriage, in a healthy marriage connection, it's meant to be an exploration. Yes, you get the dopamine hit. Yes, it's healthy. It is healthy for your mental, physical, and emotional. It is, it is healthy for all of those things. But 
the goals and the purposes are so different. Well, the posture is so different, right? The posture, yeah. So when I'm when I'm looking at porn, um, I I am so focused on myself and my my own exactly. needs and what's That's good what I mean. for me. And when I am pursuing you, like I am so focused on what where you're at. What do you need? I, it, the 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 entire intent is different. And so again, yeah. I think to answer her question, like, yes, the years of pornography makes his brain really numb yeah. to, to you. And, and so that's got to heal. And yeah. as he abstains and as he, his brain is a neuroplastic, so it eventually will heal all the way. And as you guys learn what healthy connection feels like, y'all, that will grow, but you have to also realize, and I hope that he realizes that it's not going to seem exciting at first, which really sucks. Um, yeah, it's the same thing with video game addicts is normal connection with human beings in person. No longer seems fun, right? Because, oh my gosh, I am playing these video games that are giving me such high hits of dopamine and incredibly stimulating that anything else in life, right? When I put the video game away and I go and hang out with people, people aren't that, they're not as interesting as this video game that's giving me totally. hits of dopamine all day. Yeah. And so, you know, what has to happen? Well, you have to get, you have to earn your dopamine. You have to get all the free dopamine. Now yes. this is for everyone in your life. You got to get the free dopamine, the dopamine that is, you know, sugar and video games and scrolling on Instagram, like get that out of your life so that your brain can heal. And you are now hungry for real connection. You're hungry for, for real life. You're hungry for what God designed us for. And so right. in marriage, the more he abstains from that, the more his brain will heal and the more normal interaction, normal sexual relationships will feel exciting again. And you'll see his libido rise to whatever it normally naturally would have been. Yep. That's great. So, All right. Well, that's awesome. a wrap. Babe, I think that we should talk about really quick about our marriage intensive that's coming up. Yes. I know we've talked about it last week, but yep. there's a discount for it. Do you want to just take us through that really fast? Yeah, sure. Yeah. This is important because we're towards the middle of October now. So we, um, one of the ways that we serve married couples is by leading this six week marriage intensive. It's online. Um, it's over the zoom platform, but we take couples through six weeks of an intensive of your marriage. So mm -hmm. if you're looking to, uh, thrive in ways that you don't currently thrive inside of your marriage for whatever host of reasons, we are going to take you through like bolstering every area of your marriage connection. Um, this is, we're running a discount code through the end of October. Yep. And um, the course actually begins in January, second Tuesday of January in the evenings for six weeks in a row. All the information about this course and what it entails is on our website. It's jasonandlaurenvalentin.com. So you can go there, you can read all about it, all the topics. Um, you can kind of read some testimonials of what it's been like for people in the past. And you can get all the information there, but definitely check it out soon because the discount runs through the end of this month. Yeah. Investing in your marriage is one of the greatest investments because you that know you you're going to get a return on, yes. on that investment. So Absolutely. guys, thank you so much. Um, once again, if you like the podcast, please take one minute of your time, like uh, the podcast and write a review for us. That helps us so much and share it with a friend. If you got a friend, 
uh, who you think this topic that we're talking about will help, go ahead and share it with them. But otherwise, we will see you next week. Love you all.